Well, I'm afraid I have to begin this morning uh, by confessing to you all an error in my judgment on my part this week. Uh, on Friday at lunchtime, I went for a run for the first time in three years. And so I got to ask your forgiveness if I seem in any way preoccupied today by the incredible pain and stiffness. So just, yeah, please forgive me for my foolishness. That being taken care of, though, I'm afraid it's also time to address the elephant in the room. It's been almost two weeks now, and barely anyone has noticed that I shaved my beard off. You know, the one I had for almost eight months. And it's not just here at church, it's people in you know, every walk of life that I've interacted with over the last couple of weeks, only six people have said anything. I have been keeping a tally. <laughs> but I bring it up now because I don't want you to feel bad about it. Uh, I've decided to take it as a compliment, and that's because the first two people that did notice immediately hid behind the couch. You can imagine who that was. And so this led to an immediate sense of regret that I'd made a terrible mistake. So as more and more people then didn't notice any change, I began to feel a bit more at ease that maybe I wasn't as frightening looking as I had initially been led to understand. Uh, so for all of those of you who failed to show the interest in my facial aesthetics to which I was initially feeling entitled, I forgive you. <laughs> How's that for a segue, hey? Just teasing, by the way. I had people at the first service apologizing to me. <laughs> I know it comes and goes like every five minutes, and <laughs> anyway. So today we turn to the fifth petition of the Lord's Prayer in which Jesus teaches us to pray and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now last week we noted the shift in the Lord's Prayer from prayer for God's glory, that his name would be hallowed, that his kingdom would come, and that his will would be done, to prayer for our needs. And Jesus begins this by teaching us to ask that our God would provide our daily bread, which, as we noted, is also a prayer that we would, in turn, turn to God and trust God for our physical and spiritual nourishment and provision, and salvation, and equipping every day of our lives. Last week, we also reflected on how Jesus teaches us that he is the bread of life, who gave his life so that we might have life forever. And he did this by paying the debt for our sins, the consequence of our sins, death, by dying in our place, on our behalf, so that our sins may be forgiven. And so Jesus teaches us to recognize and accept this incredible gift as we ask our Father in heaven to provide for our needs, to give us our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And you may have noticed that when we normally pray the Lord's Prayer together, we typically pray, forgive us our sins, or forgive us our trespasses, 
However, most of our Bible translations do present Jesus' teaching of the Lord's Prayer and the Gospel according to Matthew as, forgive us our debts. The word debts is translated from the Greek word aphilema, and it means something owed, a due or debt, a delinquency, offense, a fault, whether financial or physical or moral, as in a transgression or sin. So that a debtor from the Greek word aphiletus is someone who owes, a person indebted or under obligation or in any way bound to perform a duty. The word is also used to describe an offender or a moral transgressor, usually against God, a sinner. And Jewish teaching traditionally regarded sins as debts before God that had to be paid by a sacrifice at the temple. And they used both words interchangeably. So rather than dive too much further into the doctrine of sin today, we'll just look to our catechism, which summarizes it for us by explaining that our debt, our sin, our trespasses are any thought, word, or deed contrary to God's holy character and law, missing the mark of his will and expectations. In other words, violating the terms of the relationship that God agreed upon with his people that reflect his holy character, as we've been observing through this year. And it is so important for all of us to recognize, acknowledge, and confess our sin, this debt that we all should owe. It's important for us all to recognize this in order for us to properly recognize how much we have been forgiven. And this is why at Open Gate Church and in the Anglican tradition, we make a practice of acknowledging and confessing our sin when we gather together for worship each week. And I did have someone come up to me recently and ask why. When we say the confession, we talk about our sins rather than my sins. And it is a good question because, as they pointed out, aren't we only able to confess the sin that we personally have committed? Aren't we addressing the status of our personal relationship with God? But as we have been observing, as we've been going through the Lord's Prayer, this is how Jesus teaches us to pray. To pray us and our, not me and my. Jesus taught all who follow him to pray the Lord's Prayer. It's a shared prayer. It's a prayer of solidarity as we acknowledge that we're all in the same boat and that there is, therefore, no shame in this as we recognize our shared universal human condition as sinners. And we heard this in our reading from Romans today. Paul teaches the church about the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are therefore justified only by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. No one can claim righteousness based on his or her own merit, based on his or her own obedience, based on the things we do. Everyone has sinned and falls short of what God requires of us. 
And while there may be some who find acknowledging our sin on a weekly basis through our confession slightly off-putting, who may feel like it's dwelling too much on the negative, because haven't we already been forgiven? When we receive by faith the propitiation for our sins, the payment of our debt made by the blood of Jesus. But again, we can only truly understand what a great gift our forgiveness is if we truly understand how much we all need it constantly. And as Paul explains through Jesus, God offers this gift. But what does that mean? The word forgiveness comes from the Greek word aphiemi, and it also means to send away, to dismiss. So having your sins, your debts forgiven means they're sent away, they're dismissed, they're gone. God's forgiveness is his merciful removal, sending away the dismissal of the guilt of sin that results from our disobedience. It is gone. It is finished. And this means that knowing that we are forgiven, we don't have to revisit our guilt and shame or dwell in it. We don't have to carry the weight of our debts because they are gone. The ledger of what we owe has been wiped clean. It's been erased because Jesus has paid the debt for you with his life, his blood, instead of yours, so that your sin and guilt and shame has been completely washed away by the blood of Jesus. So that as John explains to the church in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God forgives all of our sins through the righteousness of Jesus Christ, which was completed for us on the cross and is given to us through faith. And this is why we gather together for corporate worship to celebrate this as the body of Christ. And when we do, we say together our corporate confession as the body of Christ, our request that God would forgive us, would absolve us from our sin, would wash it away, send it away, any hint of sin, so that it was if it never happened so that we can stand before God cleansed, guiltless, and free. And God's answer to this request is absolutely, which we hear in the response of our confession, the absolution, the confident, blessed assurance of our forgiveness. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the gospel as we know it. That is the good news, the marvelous, wonderful, incredible news that the Bible has to share, that the Bible is all about. That is what Jesus came to do for us. And it's what we continue to celebrate with joy during the 50 days of the Easter season. However, that was the easy part. It's also only the first half of the fifth petition. We pray that our Father in heaven would forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Or as most of us usually pray, as we forgive those who trespass or sin against us. Or as it's recorded in the Gospel according to Luke when Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us or everyone who is indebted to us, depending on your translation. 
just as we are forgiven, we are called and expected to forgive. But as we've just observed in the wording in the Gospel according to Matthew, that wording is slightly different to the wording in the prayer that we normally say together. And this really struck me this week. Rather than just as we forgive, which can be understood to mean, please forgive us and grateful for this, we will also go out and forgive others. Jesus teaches us to pray, forgive us as we also have forgiven. The statement isn't we'll forgive or we'll try to forgive. There is an assumption that we have already forgiven in the past tense. That we've already taken care of the debts of those who owe us. That we've already wiped their ledger clean. That we've already forgiven those who have sinned against us, just as our sin has already been forgiven. Jesus even takes a few moments, a few extra moments immediately after the prayer, to repeat this teaching from this one petition from the Lord's Prayer, saying, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. This additional comment doesn't really add very much to what's already implied in the prayer itself, but it certainly does emphasize the importance of this part. And Jesus later graphically illustrates the connection between our forgiving and our being forgiven through the parable of the unmerciful servant that we heard again today in our gospel reading. And it is a startling warning about forgiveness. And it raises the question, is our forgiveness conditional? If we refuse to forgive others, or cannot find it in ourselves to forgive others, or even try to forgive others but find ourselves unable, will God also refuse to forgive us? Though our prayer book, as well as some manuscripts of the Gospel of Matthew, later substituted have forgiven with the more present tense as we forgive, the phrasing as we also have forgiven is clearly the correct translation from the original Greek of the text as we find it in Matthew. So now together, let's solve this problem with which this grammatical detail presents us, along with its enormous theological implications. Let's begin by first noting that it is very much worth paying attention to the insight but there is more than one type of past tense in Greek. More than one way of thinking about things that have already happened. Now, we don't normally go this in-depth in our Greek studies together, but in today's curious case, I do think that it's very helpful. When Matthew writes, have forgiven, it's in the aorist tense. And what's important to note about the aorist tense is that it states only the fact of the action without specifying its duration, its time frame. In other words, the point isn't when. The point that Jesus is making is not the time sequence. And this means that, what Jesus, that Jesus is not saying that us forgiving others is a condition before being forgiven by God. 
So the point Jesus is emphasizing isn't when our forgiveness happens, but rather that it does happen. Whether before or alongside or along with or as a result of or as a response to the forgiveness that we've received. And this means that while Matthew does present the prayer in the aorist or past tense, our prayer books aren't wrong in presenting it more simply as, as we forgive. As we do forgive. Because this presentation simply avoids confusion or implication that God's forgiving us depends on our prior forgiveness of others. And so it's also then important for us to remember each time we pray the Lord's Prayer together or on our own, that while this petition for the forgiveness of our debts suggests regularly acknowledging and confessing our sin as we continue to sin, it isn't a reference to our initial repentance. It's not addressing or concerning our initial salvation that has happened through faith when we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior. God's forgiveness is not the direct result of our forgiving others. We are not saved by our own actions, our works. However, what Jesus is saying is that our forgiving others does matter in the equation. And it matters because it demonstrates that we realize and understand what forgiveness means. And we looked at this when we went through the Beatitudes together. And the fifth petition of the Lord's Prayer is a reflection of the fifth Beatitude. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And this means that when we feel someone has wronged us in some way, like the unmerciful servant, if we react not with mercy, grace, or forgiveness, but by seeking vengeance, retribution, vindication, personal justice, even if it means harming them or others. Jesus is explaining that that shows we do not fully recognize and understand the grace and mercy and forgiveness that God has offered us. And if we aren't able to fully recognize and understand it, how are we able to fully accept it? If we're unable to show grace and mercy and forgiveness, it demonstrates not that God doesn't forgive us or won't forgive us, but that we have not been able to fully and recognize and understand and therefore for wholeheartedly accept his offer of forgiveness. We've not been able to fully accept the great mercy that God has shown us. As one commentator puts it, a person with an unforgiving heart towards others reveals they do not understand the magnitude of the gift God has given. And this reveals that they do not take their own sin seriously. A prayer for forgiveness from an unforgiving heart can only be insincere. Because a heart that will not open to forgive others will remain closed when God's own forgiveness is offered. That's a pretty tough take. And we may not like it. You may not even fully agree. But Jesus 
through the Lord's Prayer, through his tagged-on explanation after the Lord's Prayer, through the parable from our Gospel reading, Jesus explains that forgiveness cannot be a one-way process. That we must be able to give it in order to be able to receive it. Paul explains the same to the church in Ephesus in Ephesians 4.32. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. And here we see, like in the Beatitude, that this reciprocal forgiveness, this two-way forgiveness, is flipped the other way around from the way Jesus puts it in the Lord's Prayer. It's sort of the opposite. Things are backwards. We forgive as Christ forgives rather than we ask for forgiveness as we forgive. It is flipped the other way around, but the meaning is the same. And so again, we see that there's a direct relationship, a direct correlation, correlation between having been forgiven by God and the forgiveness that his disciples must extend to others. Because only then can we truly accept what God is offering us. Jesus requires this of his disciples because when we don't forgive others, we're denying our common ground as sinners that we all, like sheep, have gone astray, that all of us are in need of and are worthy of forgiveness. And that God has offered this forgiveness to all of us, even the people that may have hurt us, even the people we don't like, even our enemies. And Jesus requires this of his disciples because, like all God's gifts, forgiveness brings a responsibility to respond in a way that demonstrates we do understand and appreciate and accept the magnitude of the gift he has given us. And the response here is to go and do likewise, to pass it on, without any questions about our forgiving being in proportion to what we are forgiven, as we see in the parable. Jesus himself expressly teaches us through the parable that God shows us mercy to such an astonishing degree, infinite in scope and measure, that it must automatically warrant a response to, out of infinite gratitude, go and do likewise to show grace, mercy, and forgiveness to others. So the fifth petition includes this assumption that we understand this. And for some of us, that may come as a tough challenge. For some of us, it may come as a startling wake-up call. But the good news is that Jesus doesn't share this just to be mean, just to make receiving forgiveness more difficult for us. The good news is that this instruction, this challenge, this wake-up call is for our benefit. It is, in fact, a mercy. The bad news is that we're going to have to wait until next time before we're able to look at why and how. But that is a good thing, because God has been telling me this week that he has something to say to us as individuals and together as a church, and it's important, and it's worth our time. And we need to give the proper time to hear it and to receive it. So I do hope you'll be able to join us again next week 
But until then, let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we do thank you for the incredible gift that you have offered us. And that even though we all, like sheep, have gone astray, that you seek after each one of us and offer each of us this gift of grace, mercy, and forgiveness, no matter what, even though we don't deserve it. Father, we recognize that this means we're called to pass this gift along to others, even those who we may feel don't deserve it. And we know that you understand how difficult this may be for us. So I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would work in our hearts this week, that you would help us to see people in our lives that we need to forgive, just as you have forgiven us and that you would equip us with the strength, the grace, and the mercy to do so. I pray this in Jesus' name.